Hi, I'm Austin. I'm Alex. You're listening to One Last Breath, an autopsy of awful albums. Where we discuss controversial, bizarre, divisive, and downright abysmal albums. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the eighth album, Diabolus in Musica, by American thrash metal juggernauts, Slayer. Fucking Slayer! Fucking Slayer. <laughs> Slayer was formed in 1981 by guitarist Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman drummer Dave Lombardo, and bassist and vocalist Tom Araya. I think Slayer is the, the thrash band I know the most members of by name. Because I recognize all four of those fucking names. Okay, yeah. I recognize, let's see, there's Lars, and Kirk, and James. Mm-hmm. And... Cliff Burton. Okay, sorry. Yeah, guys, I recognize now, every member of... Now Rob Trujillo. I don't know who that is. Or Trujillo. 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 I, don't, he, I don't know the one He played in, like, Suicidal Tendencies. Uh, oh, so just, like, uh, Thundercat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's before Thundercat. <laughs> Can you name a member of Anthrax? You Scott got a... Stout. Scott, bruh. Uh, give me a first name. S Scott. Scott. Scott Anthrax. <laughs> yes. Scott Ian. Scott remember Ian. Remember Dude Long? Yeah, Scott yeah. Ian. He has the fucking yeah, braided beard. Probably the only band where the rhythm guitarist is the member that most people know. <laughs> he's not the vocalist? No. Joey oh. Belladonna's the vocalist. Who? Joey Belladonna. That's not a real name. But, uh... And then, and then, uh... Oh, Megadeth had Megadave. too many fucking names. I know Megadave and, um... I could, I could the name... The other guitarist who's, who I fucking kept talking Marty about. Friedman. Marty Friedman. Yeah, I could name their entire, uh, classic lineup, but he's had too many fucking but Slayer? Members. I can't name the members of Slayer, but I know them all. <laughs> you know them all. <laughs> I know them all. I know Carrie King and Tom... I was in a Facebook group with Tom Maria's daughter once. Yeah, you, I remember you telling me about um, that. Um, she was... Not very nice. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm gonna go ahead and correct you. I, all my life, has have also said Tom Araya, but it's actually Tom Araya. Tom Araya Carey. Tom Araya Carey. Bruh. <laughs> but yeah, I was just gonna say that so nobody is like, oh my god, you're saying it wrong. I'm gonna keep saying Tom Araya. You can't fucking stop me. Alright, well. I'm gonna say the name more. <laughs> we'll be the, we'll be the duality of men. <laughs> the duality of Araya. Araya, Araya. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, they were formed in Huntington Park, California. Inspired musically by the likes of Judas Priest, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, and Venom, they started out playing covers of those artists at parties and clubs around Southern Cal. Or SoCal. Southern Cal. Southern Cal. SoCal. They took cue from Venom and Merciful Fate mostly with their uh, satanic imagery, often wearing uh, makeup and spiked jewelry and employing pentagrams. Yeah, I can see a little bit of Merciful Fate influence now that you mention it. Yeah. I haven't listened to a lot of Merciful Fate, but I like, they have one song called like, Welcome Home that's pretty sick. Hmm, Merciful Fate is... It's King Crimson, right? King Diamond? King Diamond. <laughs> yeah, close it's, enough. It's the King Diamond band, though, right? Yeah, King, King Diamond. Diamond's from, I've listened to more of King Diamond's solo stuff, weirdly enough. I used to be in that camp, too. I've gotten, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm, like, into Merciful Fate. I've only listened to one of their albums, not even Melissa, which is their... I've listened to their first album. It has, like, a okay. fucking demon coming out of hell on the front. Uh, fun fact about the host of this podcast. We're not black metal guys. Eh, I mean, I... I wouldn't say I'm a black metal guy, but I like... I've I've started to like more black metal. I like first wave black metal. <clears throat> so merciful fate. Yeah, but, like... <laughs> and, I mean, Venom kind of... I love Venom. We Venom's listen to sick. a lot of shit. We don't listen to a lot of black metal. Yeah, I... Like I said, I've gotten into it a little more recently, but I still, like, I don't know. I really like Mayhem. Mayhem is good. Mayhem is good. But stuff like, I, I haven't gotten into Immortal, 
Dark Throne I've recently kind of gotten into, but that, a lot of it's just, a lot of black metal is like something that I have to listen to it like five or six times to actually be yeah. like, okay, I vibe with this. Yeah, it's like Doom, it's like, I don't, I'm not I, a big Doom I, I don't. I don't know, it's, I know like the bigger bands of Doom, but not many actual songs. Like I haven't listened to a lot of it, I've a lot of to, it kind of bores me. I've listened to parts of Dope Smoker. I, I've tried to listen to it, that shit I'm not going to listen to Dope Smoker. Listen. We're not really metal guys. I no, we listen don't to metal. Don't say that. I no, am. no, listen. We listen to metal. We don't listen to metal the way that metal guys listen to metal. Mm. Metal guys listen to doom. Metal guys listen to all black metal. I mean, yeah. We're not like we don't listen to the toxic metal genres. I mean, there's different flavors. I don't know. I mean, I listen to my. I guess my main favorites would be easily death and thrash, and then when you go into core genres. Metalcore. Uh, I'm a core guy. I yeah. I mean, I've that's you know that's what we grew up on. We grew up on a lot of core. We played a shitty core band. Yeah, but I've I don't know. I've been really into a bunch of death metal and thrash lately. And I like tech death. I don't listen to enough death or thrash. I need to, I need to get back into my metal because I listen to a lot of thrash mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah. Like I recognize a lot of the tracks from this album just from listening to a ton of thrash in high school. Yeah. Listen to fucking German thrash. That's the I shit. don't believe Cre in Germany. Cre Creator, Destruction, Sodom. Ice Earth? I don't know. I, I think they're... Is Ice Earth thrash? Or are they they are. I think they're like Swedish or something. Though. They're only get really into power metal. Yeah. Power metal's another one that I'm kind of... if Like, power metal, black metal, I'm kind of like entry level with, I would say. And then, yeah, doom metal, I know jack shit about. But either way, this is this isn't a metal way. genre podcast. <laughs> it could be. We used to be genre guys. We're not genre guys anymore. But yeah, for me, with with Slayer, like I'd say they are, or at least our first album was like literally just you take Venom and Merciful Fate and combine them, and that's Show No Mercy. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's very it very leans heavily into cues from both of those bands, which I think is pretty cool. But because um, you know they're both technically like first wave like proto black metal but in very different ways yeah um but yeah so you know satanic imagery makeup spike jewelry using pentagrams and inverted crosses in their imagery inverted caucus <laughs> inverted caucus uh after these couple of beginning years for the band they were invited to open for the band uh you love this name bitch <laughs> bro my band is bitch <laughs> um did you listen to bitch i haven't i want to because they seem like something i would like like very early like he like heavy metal kind of thrash type stuff they were the first band signed to metal blade ever oh shit yeah which that ties right into what what i'm about to say um they opened for them at the woodstock club in anaheim california and they have recently become the first bitch that is first band assigned to the new label Metal Blade Records. And the founder of Metal Blade, Brian Slagle, was in attendance of the concert. He was impressed with what he saw from Slayer, and he met them backstage to ask the band to record an original song for Metal Blade's upcoming third edition of their compilation series, Metal Massacre. Which. Fucking Slayer. The first Metal Massacre was, uh. Metallica was on it, and that's like their. Their big break, Hit the Lights, was on there from Metallica. So to get a big break, you just have to... Back in the day, yeah. Be on, I mean, back in the day, it was getting on fucking, uh, like, Metal Blade, obviously. Um, Blade Metal. Bla oh, yeah, Blade Metal. Uh, Blattle Maid. <laughs> Blattle Maid. 
Blattle Maiden. Of course, all the fucking label, old, old school metal labels are escaping me. But you know, they would all, all yeah. have those compilations of their artists and. Which, know. um, Rise Records brought that back in the mid-2000s. Yeah, all those, like, and Rise... it was really cool. Fearless. If, except, like, Lost Profits was on one of them. Oh, no. Which, um, to date this episode, Ian Watkins got stabbed and it's so fucking <laughs> Fuck, yeah. It's so fucking I funny. hope he survives That's it. the last time we'll ever mention him on this podcast. Yeah. Man. I hope he survives and they fucking do it again as soon as he goes back to prison. <laughs> and it just perpetually does that for the rest of his life. But, uh, but yeah, like all those old, old school metal labels would have those compilations and, you know, people listen to them and the shit that really stood out were the bands that kind of would gain some traction, which is exactly what happened to Slayer. Uh, their bands or their song Aggressive Perfector was recorded for the compilation and the song garnered the band a very big cult following, which led Slagle to sign Slayer. They self-financed their debut album, combining the funds from Tom Araya's savings earned as a respiratory therapist as well. Wait, he was a fucking what? <laughs> yeah, a respiratory therapist. <laughs> Imagine being one of his fucking clients. Like that would be that would be crazy. It's like how um the guy that plays Captain America. Chris Evans? Chris Evans. His dad is a dentist. Hmm. You know, see that po- there was a post that someone was like, Yeah, I was at my dentist's office and just talking about the Marvel movie. <laughs> like, and the dentist was like, Yeah, my son's in those and yeah, like, I what thought, the f- like I an thought extra or like something. An extra. Nope. Yeah. Dr. Evans. That's crazy, huh? But yeah, so his savings as a respiratory therapist, as well as money borrowed from Carrie King's father. The result was Show No Mercy, which was released on December 3rd of 1983. The DIY low-budget kind of proved to be challenging, because Dave Lombardo later recalled that the engineer had trouble getting in the right mix with the toms and cymbals, due to them being too loud, so they had to record them separately. Tom is pretty loud. Tom. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait, I was about to say, like, Tom DeLonge being funny. Tom DeLonge is loud. Yeah. He's a loud man. I there's bet they had a of... problem getting... There's a lot of vocals named Toms. There's a lot of loud Toms. There's a lot of loud Toms. If your name's Tom, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Tom. Um, <laughs> I fucked Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so they had to mix the Toms and Simple, sep- or record them separately, which I could imagine was pretty fucking wild. Like, yeah, but that was really annoying. Yeah. As the drummer. Yeah. I'm gonna see if Race can do that. Yeah, probably not. No, <laughs> no, he probably could. But, uh, in turn, Lombardo has said that Show No Mercy was his least favorite Slayer album. He thinks the songwriting is great, obviously, but the unconventional recording method made for what he feels is his worst, worst performance on a record, which... I mean, yeah, that's it seems fucking it's yeah. like if I mean I got no complaints about it, but I could see That's like if you ask a guitarist to record two of their strings separately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like today we're recording top and bottom and then tomorrow we'll do the three middle ones. Like, <laughs> like okay. Like, Alright. Like that would be fine for like a finger like there are some ways that you could like if you're playing chords. Yeah. It's like uh you're just uh, inventing new chords with two strings. <laughs> Sorry, that was a visual joke. <laughs> that was a vi- visual gag in Sue's. <laughs> Sorry, I had a visual gag. My bad. I forgot this was a recorded medium. It was a great. It was a great visual gag. Thank you. But um, Show No Mercy was actually met with polarizing reviews upon release, as I mean, really was the case with the majority of heavy music and with the formative years of metal and punk, like. Yeah, the formative years of any genre, really. Yeah, but especially metal and punk, like it kind of was like, oh, this music's for Neanderthals that. Are fucking stupid. <laughs> like, and listen, this music is for Neanderthals that are fucking stupid. I am a stupid Neanderthal. <laughs> booga booga. But, um, 
It has obviously, however, got on to be considered a classic and a very, very important release in the progression of metal and extreme metal. With... But weirdly enough, not their most important album. Yeah, definitely not. But... That would be the album we're talking about today. <laughs> but spoiler alert, uh, this is actually probably... At least top three Slayer albums for me is Show No okay. Mercy. Oh, did you do a top Slayer album? I did not, but I'll, I'll, to say. I'll go ahead and say, like, I love fucking Show No Mercy. It's it's amazing. Because I'm going to go and spoil it. I didn't give any fucking lyrics in this album, so I figured... Uh, no, no. I figured you were going to do something cool like that. I was like, I don't listen... I've listened to two Slayer albums, and it's this and Rain Blood. Well, I can give you a... I can give a top three. I'm not going to rank all their albums, but... Yeah, definitely Rain on Blood, Show No Mercy, and uh, Seasons in the Abyss are my top three. Okay, uh, you heard it here, folks. You turn off the podcast. This is making <laughs> it in the top three. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I mean, honestly, you can't, in my opinion, you can't really go wrong with any of their albums. I think they're all all good to... It's all fucking Slayer. It's all good to amazing to me. But, um, and Show No Mercy actually became Metal Blade's highest selling release. Uh, the label was used to selling around 5,000 copies on average, but Show No Mercy ended up selling uh, around 20,000 copies in the U.S. and around 15,000 copies overseas. What year was this? 83. 20,000 copies in 83? That's pretty good. For a label that was at this point... For a like brand new label? Warner, I think it's... Started in 82. So. And they signed two bands, Slayer and Bitch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was others, but like... Well, fucking... None of them were Slayer or Bitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's just, uh, that's I, just so I funny really, to me. Just I really bitch. want a copy of the flyer for the Slayer show where they open for Bitch, because I bet it just says Slayer and then right underneath it, Bitch. Well, probably Bitch so would be case, at the top if Slayer... No, because you, you do it in order of... You put the biggest band at the bottom. Oh, yeah. I think of, like, a marquee. Like, if it was, like, a yeah. marquee, yeah. it was, like, Slayer, bitch. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Pinkman, what's your favorite band? Fucking Slayer, bitch. Slayer, bitch. Oh, yeah, that, that's just so funny to me. It's just, like, damn, they were really, like, hmm. Let's say more band, bitch. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but the success of Show No Mercy prompted Slagle to get Slayer back in the studio to record an EP. This EP was Haunting the Chapel, released in an unspecified day in June of 1984. <laughs> Haunting the Chapel was considered an even more major evolution for the band, uh, where Show No Mercy paid very obvious homage to the new wave of British heavy metal. Haunting the Chapel pretty much dropped that aspect and said pumping up the aggression and intensity to 100. 100. 100. But yeah, okay. that's, that's uh, the EP that um, Chemical Warfare is on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a three-song EP. Um... But yeah, good shit, good shit. And uh, out of the three songs featured on the EP, Chemical Warfare is the most revolutionary. The main use for this was the use of very fast double bass drumming. Uh, the drumming for the EP, just like Show No Mercy, proved to be very difficult. However, this time the obstacle was the fact that the studio had no carpet. So, recording drums on concrete was obviously not ideal, especially for Chemical Warfare due to its very fast pace. Roadie uh, Gene Hoglin, which, do you recognize that name? I do, but I don't know from where. Fucking Death, Metalocalypse. Okay. Um, kind of kind of a big deal. Yeah, fucking... Uh, fucking Slayer. Fucking Slayer. No, he never he never actually played in them. He, he uh, has toured with Testament. Uh, what a guy. I want to say Exodus, but I don't think that's right. Death Angel was, like, the first band he was in. He's okay. been in a bunch of fucking bands. Yeah. He's a very, very fucking good drummer, like, which, uh, I, I actually met him one time. Oh, hi, yeah. me, me and Race met him whenever Anthrax and Testament came here, uh, a few oh, years yeah. ago. 
he was drumming for Testament at the time, and he was just chilling out back in fucking flip-flops. He drummed in flip-flops for the show, and he was just smoking a cigarette. And obviously our buddy Race, he's a drummer, and that's like, Gene Hoglund's like one of his favorites ever, and he was like, dude, we have to go talk to him. And we were just like, what's up, dude? Good show. And he, he was cool as shit. Hell yeah. But yeah. Are you going to tell me that he sat there and held the drums in place? Yes. <laughs> God fucking damn <laughs> Yes, he did. So yeah, he had to hold the drums in place so they wouldn't slip around on the fucking hardwood floor, or concrete, hardwood, whatever the fuck How it was How can he still hear the drum? I don't fucking know. I mean, he's a very tall dude, so he probably was, wasn't like right at the kick drum. Um, but he figured that it would make it way faster to get the drums recorded if Lombardo used double bass, a technique which Lombardo had never used before. Uh, Hoglin, I accidentally fucking put Hogan. Hulk Hogan added the double bass to Lombardo's kit, gave him some tips, and the rest is fucking history. You're telling me that Slayer didn't start with double? I guess double bass was new. Yeah, I mean, at it, that point. for metal and shit like that, because, I mean, in jazz, it yeah. had been a thing for a while, but yeah, for, I think the first metal song to ever use double bass was Exciter by Judas Priest. Are you sure it wasn't something on Attila? <laughs> ah, shit, who fucking knows? <laughs> but I think Exciter, I want to say maybe Dissident Aggressor, which was on the album before, uh... Stained Class, which was what Exciter was on for Judas Priest, had double bass, but yeah. I don't know, which Exciter is a fucking amazing song, that's and one of my favorites. Priest favorite. is also not a band I've gotten into, I need to. Oh, I love Judas Priest. I listen to Stained Class, that's my favorite album by them. Okay. I'd say the one with Breaking the Law on it, fucking, I forget what the fuck it's called, highly fucking overrated in my opinion. Don't start with that, that's what most people tell you to start with. It's pretty much just like a step above ACDC. So oh, gross. I don't think you'll like I, it. I don't like ACDC. That's another. Yeah. Uh, we're, you're getting a lot of fucking Austin lore in this episode. <laughs> Austin lore. <laughs> you're welcome for that. But uh, the band released a live album, Live Undead, on November 16th of 84. It featured, uh, of course, tracks from Show No Mercy and Haunting the Chapel, but it added the updated aggression that Haunting the Chapel brought to the Show No Mercy tracks. So, uh,. A lot of them were performed, or all of them were performed, like, way faster, way, like, rougher vocals from Tom, Tom Araya on, uh, all the tracks, so mm -hmm. it was kind of, kind of bringing their style, their new, uh, up-and-coming style with that. And then their next album, Hell Awaits, came in March of 85. Uh, this time around, Slagle provided the budget for the album, allowing the band to work with an all-professional recording team. The band's sophomore album continued the trend of upping the ante in terms of he heaviness and extremity. The songs were longer and more progressive than before, with three of the tracks being around six minutes long, which pretty unusual for Slayer. They're kind of a band that they're kind of short and sweet. Sticks, yeah, sticks around the like four and a half minutes at the most mark for most of their most of their songs. Yeah, I think every song on this album is pretty short. Yeah, I think the the longest is around like four and a half, maybe five minutes if even. Yeah. Which is long for not as long as long for a thrash song because Metallica. Ah, uh, yeah. Because Metallica, if it wasn't for Metallica and. Anthrax, that would be long for Metallica Megadeth. and Megadeth. That'd yeah. be pretty long for a thrash song. Yeah, and some other bands, but... But mostly those guys are just like, we're going to get a 13-minute song that was mostly acoustic guitar. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, that's, that's Metallica. Uh, Megadeth is just like, what if I just played the hardest shit you've ever heard for 13 minutes? Hello, me. <laughs> um, the songs being longer and more progressive was uh, due to the influence of King Diamond, who the band were super into at the time. Uh... 
and this progressive nature of songwriting combined with the intensity was an, another major step toward the development of extreme metal. Hello Waits also actually received positive reviews from critics who mostly up until this point hadn't really taken the band seriously. And although exact sales are unknown, uh, Slagle estimates Hello Waits has sold over a million copies worldwide, which is damn. pretty crazy. And Hello Waits, it's it's good too in my opinion, obviously, but I I don't know. Most people prefer it to Show No Mercy, but obviously I disagree. I, I like Show No Mercy a lot better. Hello Waits is good though. Um, this hype that Slayer was building caused Slagle to realize that the band were in a position to really hit it big and needed to seize the opportunity while it was present. He communicated with several several record labels, among them being Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons' Def Jam. Slagle was reluctant in the label's interest to sign Slayer due to them obviously being a hip-hop label. Uh, but Dave Lombardo, after being made aware of Def Jam's interest, got in touch with Rick Rubin and convinced Rubin to attend one of the band's concerts along with photographer Glennie Friedman. And Friedman had actually produced Suicidal Tendencies' debut album, which featured their hit song Institutionalize. Which what was their debut album? Yeah. <laughs> which, what uh, the fuck? Which Tom Araya had actually had a guest appearance in the music video for the song. I Okay. I, I, I've never watched a music video for Institutionalize. I've seen it, but it's been a while, and I never... I I'm, also don't really know what Tom Araya looks like. He... He kind of looks like a guy, right? I mean, he has really long, curly hair. <laughs> That's about the big... He kind of looks like a Brazilian guy? He's a uh, Chilean. Oh, he's Chilean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> looks like a Chilean guy with really long hair. <laughs> he's just chilling. He's just ch chilling. He's a chilling Chilean. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting fact. I, I never fucking knew that. Yeah. Um, Ruben later ended up speaking to the band in person and persuaded them to join Def Jam. Uh, Slagle added credibility to Ruben, saying he was by far the most passionate of all the label representatives. And that showed with their uh, upcoming album, because they ended up signing to Def Jam and released their magnum opus, Rain and Blood, on October 7th of 1986. Finally, we're at their magnum opus. <laughs> Rain it's all downhill from here, boys. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rain and Blood was a continuation of the signature sound that they had been crafting on their last two releases, but this time Extremity was taken to the absolute max. The album clocks in at right under 29 minutes and is played at 220 BPM on average. <laughs> Which is fucking insane. <laughs> uh, about the short run time, Jeff Hanneman later said that the band were listening to Metallica and Megadeth at the time and found the repetition of the guitar riffs tiring. <laughs> saying, uh, if we do a verse two or three times, we're already bored with it, so we weren't trying to make the song shorter, that's just what we were into. Which, hmm, I don't know. I guess that kind of goes into with what you were saying about Megadeth and Metallica having long as shit songs. Yeah, they're long as shit! But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I was like, damn, he kind of throwing some shade there. As you should. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, obviously, anybody that's ever fucking listened to Rain of Blood, which is probably... 95% of people who would claim that they're metal fans knows that it's a fucking game changer <laughs> in the world of metal. Yeah, uh, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, that still is like, if I had to give like a top 10 what I think are like the heaviest albums of all time, that has to be on there. Like, mm -hmm. especially for the context of when it was released, like that shit, I can't imagine. It's so, it, cha it changed me when I listened to it. It's so fucking heavy. Yeah, it's so good. Like, and I was like a deathcore kid at that point. I was like, this is heavy as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, I don't know, it just has, like, that overall just fucking, like, chaotic atmosphere. Like, mm -hmm. it feels like you're in fucking, I don't even know. Like, it just feels like the world is crashing. And the fucking, the fucking, like, um, 
the uh, what like what's what it's about the yeah. subject matter is subject. fucking dark. Yeah, which I mean, obviously, was a big influence on the very uh, soon to be scene of death metal coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, very, very important album, and it was actually the band's first release to enter Billboard 200, peaking at 94, which... Imagine turning on your radio and just hearing, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That would be fucking insane. Um, it also received critical acclaim with it now being on many best-of-all-time list, obviously. Um, yeah, fucking vastly, vastly important album, and it's crazy that it was on fucking Death Jam. Um, yeah, that's insane. And then next came South of Heaven on July 5th of uh, 88, and Slayer knew that they obviously cannot top Rain and Blood say, staying with that super breakneck speed, so they so they deliberately slowed things down for this release. Uh, Tom Mariah also toned down his very loud and harsh screaming that he usually employed instead of doing a lot more singing this time around. Hmm. Um, the album was mostly well-received, with a lot of critics praising the change in style, saying it helped keep the band fresh and was impressive for a band to experiment in such a pivotal point in their career, but fan reaction was pretty split upon release, uh, which, understandably so, I mean, they released, I mean, South of Heaven obviously isn't like a fucking, they didn't go and make a, like, Iron Maiden album, I mean, obviously no, no dissing to Iron Maiden, but it's not like they went, like, fucking completely abandoning thrash it's just yeah, more it's, of a it's, a it's a more chill mm, thrash yeah i mean you i mean i'm sure you've heard the song south of heaven is yeah. on there and there's a few other uh a few other good tracks on there it, it's a good album not one of my favorites but they physically could not get faster than Rain yeah they physically could not but uh, not it, with concrete recording studios <laughs> but it's now considered a classic in most eyes um Slayer themselves have been kind of critical of the album, namely King and Hanneman, with both pointing out specific songs as some of their least favorites to play live. So makes sense. And for their next release, Seasons in the Abyss, on October 9th of 1990, Slayer took the ferocity of Rain and Blood and mixed it with the slowness of South of Heaven. Uh, it was well received by critics and fans, with many finding the combination of the previous two albums the perfect formula for Slayer. And, like I said, this is in my top three, like, fucking, has War Ensemble, Dead Skin Mask, those are, like, two of my absolute, probably, definitely top ten Slayer songs ever, those two, uh, Seasons in the Abyss is a great title track, like, it's a really fucking good album, love that one, um, and yeah, it is, it is a really good mix of Rain and Blood and South of Heaven, um, but in 92, Dave Lombardo left Slayer due to conflicts with the other members, as well as wanting to spend more time at home after the birth of his first child. Understandable. For him, understandable. <laughs> Paul Bostaff of uh, thrash metal band Forbidden was recruited to take over his duties, and after Bostaff joined, Slayer recorded their next album, Divine Intervention, on September 27th of 1994. It received mixed to positive reviews and had the band's highest chart position at the time at number eight, but sort of feels like the odd album out in the band's career. It's definitely not too hated on like nobody really outright hates it um mm-hmm. that i've seen but it just kind of didn't reach the heights of the first five albums it kind of felt like each of those were bringing something new to the table and this yeah. one feels a little phoned in like it's a decent album but uh definitely in the lower half of their career for most people including me um Bad production might be the reason for this, as the final result sounds really muddy and not up to par, which, with even their earliest material, production-wise. Which seems to be a plague of later thrash metal albums. Yeah, like, 90s, uh, 
thrash albums of like classic thrash bands like in the 90s a lot of them have a track record of having bad production yeah we had the same compl- we had the, all those complaints about or i did at least about um the megadeth album we listened to super collider yeah okay yeah i mean even yeah i mean i'd say like more recent shit for like classic bands has gotten better but yeah. it it was really a big thing in like 90s and 2000s when a lot of those bands were at their very low points mm-hmm. uh it just seemed to be a thing for whatever reason. I mean, it could have had to do with, like, changing metal trends with... I mean, we'll get to it with the fucking Diabolus and Musica, but, like, new metal and alt metal and stuff. I like, a lot of them... New metal. A lot of them were trying... Probably trying to reach that uh, production value and yeah, just... you know what? You know what have made this album the best album I've ever listened to? What? Some rap. Oh, God. <laughs> I want Tom, Ar- Tom Araya... I'll say his name correctly Ooh, for this request. Okay. <laughs> I want Tom Araya rapping about the Holocaust. <laughs> rapping about the Holocaust, bruh. <laughs> that's, okay, you can't tell me that's not on brand. I mean, it is on brand. It is very on brand, but could you imagine? <laughs> It'd be awful. Uh, th- that was a very poor joke. <laughs> Please forgive me. Please forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, but yeah, a bunch of... Er, Pretty much all the band members have also pointed out the poor uh, production quality on Divine Intervention, so it's not it's not just a fan thing there that people are complaining about. And then a cover album, just one more to go before we get to the subject that matter. Uh, Undisputed Attitude came out on May twenty eighth of nineteen ninety six. They released a cover album. Mm-hmm. What they cover? Punk and hardcore songs by the likes of The Stooges, Minor Threat, and <laughs> got a bunch of. Uh, Acronyms, uh, T-S-O-L, D-R-I, D-I, <laughs> Dr. No, and Verbal Abuse are the bands that they covered. I've heard of, like, two of them. Two of them? Stooges and Minor Threat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not an old school punk guy. I'm a pop punk guy. I I don't care about fighting the man. <laughs> you, you care about getting out of this shitty hometown. I care about eating pizza with my friends. <laughs> Bro. I mean, I fucking love both. I... I've been getting into hardcore punk recently, mm-hmm. like, um, the Kennedys and the likes. <laughs> the Kennedys. <laughs> the Kennedys. The Kennedys, yeah. John, he was a, he was a good one. John was a good punk. You know, I just did that. <laughs> Bruh, he really did. But yeah, I fucking love the Kennedys. I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been into, been into older punk, but, uh, yeah, I'm not of those acronym bands. I, I know all of them. I've heard a few songs from all of them, uh, but. So don't... this isn't your favorite Slayer yeah, I've only listened to it like once. I remember it being decent. Is it good? Yeah. I remember it being cool. decent, but it's it's their second lowest rated album. I would have loved if they covered Holiday in Cambodia. That would have been pretty I sick. I think they would have done really good at that. Yeah, that would have been really sick. Um, but I will say Dr. No is a very, very good band. Oh, uh, I've heard of Dr. No, so I've heard of three bands. Yeah, they, they're they in this weird like subgenre that I had never heard of till I found out about Dr. No that was kind of... I, I don't even know, it's re- I think it's just really kind of like it was like a culture thing in a specific part of mm-hmm. like California, like it's kind of similar to skate punk, I can't even begin to remember what the genre's called, but it was just like a mini kind of micro genre thing that they're yeah. part of, and I was like, oh shit, I never even heard about this, but I mean, if I had to categorize them, they're kind of skate punk-ish, okay. but they're, okay. they're a really good band, uh, they got some good shit. Oh yeah. But uh, also thrown in were two tracks by Jeff Hanneman for an unreleased side project of his, <laughs> Pap Smear. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> what the fuck? Bud. What the fuck? Bitch and Pap Smear. <laughs> Bitch. Slayer. 
Pat smear. Fuck yeah, brother. Um, uh, best lineup. <laughs> and a Slayer original, Gemini, was on this album too. Oh, um, Jim and who? <laughs> Gemini. Jim and me. <laughs> Jim and us. <laughs> Jim and we. Uh, the album received mixed reviews with uh, a lot of it calling calling it one of the weakest, if not the weakest, release of the band's career. I mean, it's uh, a cover album. Yeah, exactly. There's only so many bands that can do good cover albums. It's uh, Big D and the Kids Table. Mm, yeah. That one star <laughs> band that's nothing but covers. Oh, uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's. Me First and the Gimme Gimme's. And, uh, spoiler alert for an episode we've already released, probably. <laughs> Duran Duran. Duran Duran! Uh, Newfound Glory has two, uh, Glory does, yeah. those, uh, where they cover movie soundtrack songs. Yeah, but most bands will do, like, one or two good covers. Like, the, um, Punk Go series. Those are good albums, because it's not just one band doing covers. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, spoiler alert, uh, we are, which this kind of ties in with this, uh, Undisputed Attitude album. We're wanting to do a little cool idea where we're gonna cover the two lowest rated albums from all four of the big four and mm -hmm. uh, do a kind of a little mini ranking episode of those eight albums. Uh, so let us know if Undisputed Attitude should count as an album we cover because I'm having a hard time deciding if I wanna if we should do that or Repentless. Their last album is the other lowest rated, but. Like, it's Die and Musica is lowest, then Undisputed Attitude, then Repentless. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, should a cover album really, really count for this? I don't, I don't know. know. No, no, we'll have to think about it. Uh, you let us know. Yeah, let us let us know the input for that, because I'm like, I feel like it might be easier to cover a cover album <laughs> rather than the last album of their career, because when I listened to it, it was kind of just same old, same old Slayer, but... <clears throat> yeah, let us know, because uh, I've been kind of debating that in my mind. So, uh, But now we'll get to the main topic of today's episode, Diabolus and Musica, coming out on June 9th of 1988, which was obviously a time where new metal, groove metal, and alt metal were the forefront of the scene, and bands such as Pantera, Korn, Machine Head, Fear Factory, and Deftones were reaching vast heights of popularity, and... It can be assumed that Slayer saw the changing climate of the metal world and decided it was in their best interest to follow suit and stay relevant. Would you agree? <laughs> no, I think this sounds like Slayer. Okay. I, I, for the most part, think this is a Slayer album. Yeah. Through and through. It's just got some elements of those, I think. But yeah, I think people but... categorize it too hard as a new metal album. It's not new metal. But um, I've listened to new metal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jeff Hanneman composed all but one song on the album, and he chose to write in mostly C-sharp. That's C-sharp, right? Yes, yeah, C-sharp. Okay. <laughs> C-sharp tuning. C-hashtag. <laughs> yeah, C-hashtag. Um, C-sharp tuning, which was a first for the band. Uh, he said about the writing process, When we were writing this album, I was looking for something to beat. I wanted something to beat, but nothing impresses me right now. Nothing sounded really aggressive or heavy enough to inspire me to beat it, so I just had to come up with my own shit. Which... All right, Jeff. Okay, <laughs> okay name, buddy. My name's Jeff. <laughs> His name is really Jeff. <laughs> For real. Uh, Diabolus... Oh my god. I cannot fucking talk in this episode. Diabolus and Musica received mixed reviews from critics and a very negative response from fans. Yeah, a lot of fans felt angry and betrayed about the notion of Slayer quote-unquote selling out to follow popular trends, something they had not done even through the grunge and alternative, alternative rock boom. When many of their contemporaries, like Metallica, Anthrax, and Exodus, had really fallen victim to that. Um, 
Sarah Vowell, <laughs> her last name is Vowell, <laughs> of Spin said in a 4 out of 10 review, 15 years in the Slayer's career, they're still deploying the same fast beats and sluggish riffs and batty banter, ending with, this is loudness without fun, blasphemy without subversion, darkness with no shades of gray. The drums are mic'd really well, though. <laughs> the drums are mic'd really well. Yeah, I mean, this... I, the production on the album is really good, I think. Ooh, I have some complaints. You have some complaints? I have some complaints. I like it. I think it's good. I have some complaints. I think it fits the uh, the mood of that but, album. But uh, I am more likely to have mixing complaints than you are. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Just, like, I... As a recording artist, I just... Yeah, I've, I've honestly really never... I care I, about mixing a lot. I mean, there there's certain uh, albums or artists that have like choices where I'm like eh but for the most part even if people on the internet are like oh my god like I can't listen to this because the mixing's so bad but the well, songs I'll are good to it. yeah I'm I don't like, care if the mixing's bad but yeah. like, I'll know when the mixing is bad yeah. I'll tell you yeah I'm like I don't give a fuck um Metal Hammer's Ian Winwood gave a 9 out of 10 review to the album declaring it a fantastic album remarking it manages to combine both the sharpness of new school metal with the songwriting prowess and musical quality we've come to expect from Slayer. But it can be assumed that the band do not think highly of Diabolus and music of themselves, with Kerry King stating in 2011 that it was his least favorite Slayer album. Also, since Dave Lombardo rejoined the band in 2002, the only song to be played from the album with any regularity was Stain of Mind. Uh, in the turn of the millennium, uh, treated Slayer better than the mid to late 90s. Their next album, God Hates Us All, was infamously, infamously released on September 11th of 2001. <laughs> I remember, the only thing Oof. I know about this album is that. Yeah, exactly. And that Tom Araya had to come out and be like, I don't think God actually hates us. I just think it's a cool fucking title. <laughs> I think it's a cool fucking title. Because he's like a devout Catholic. He's a Catholic, he's yeah. He's a devout Catholic, Which yeah. is hilarious. Um... God Hates Us All abandoned the new metal experimentation of Diabolus in favor of the classic Slayer formula to the appreciation of most critics and especially fans. Um, Paul Bostaff left the band due to an elbow injury in the tour for God Hates Us All, which of course I alluded to like two seconds ago, and the band asked Dave, uh, Dave Lombardo to fill in for the remainder of the tour, which turned into him rejoining Slayer permanently. Man, imagine, for now. imagine you like lost your, like you hurt your elbow and then you kicked out of your band. No, he left. He left due to an elbow. Oh, injury. he left. Yeah. he didn't just leave for the tour. Yeah, Paul Bostaff. Okay. I read it that he just was like, "I can't do this tour," and they were like, "Okay, you're out of the fucking <laughs> no, band, no, brother." No, no. no, he left during the middle of the tour on his own will because his elbow. And then okay, they... I thought he was just like, "I can't do the tour anymore," and they're like, "No, fuck you, bucko." No, no. Uh, I wouldn't have put it past him. Yeah. No, they say I think they seem like cool dudes. Well, Kerry King kind of seems like a dick, but the rest of them. Seem like cool dudes. I bet Kara King would be like, fuck you, bucko. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dave Lombardo rejoined. Um, but yeah, Paul, Paul Bosaf's done other shit, so maybe it was just like really, really bothering him at the time. Yeah. I don't know, because like, I think the next year or something, he joined another band. He He's also like Gene Hoglin, like he's just been in a shit ton of different thrash metal bands, never really staying with any of them for like a very, very long period of time. Um... The result of reuniting with Lombardo was Christ Illusion, released on August 8th of 2006, and he stayed for one more album, World Painted Blood, released on November 3rd of 2009, uh, and both of these albums are kind of kind of along the vein of God Hates Us All, like Return to Classic Form for Slayer, got, mm -hmm. got good reviews from critics and fans alike, um, but Lombardo was dismissed from the band in 2011 due to contract disputes. 
And then, uh, not soon after that, Hanneman, Jeff Hanneman, tragically passed away due from alcohol-related cirrhosis on May 2nd of 2013. Uh, he kind of spent a couple of years battling health issues stemming from a flesh-eating disease uh, believed to have come from a spider bite. I remember that. Yeah, it's like he said, he thinks he got it from a friend's hot tub. <laughs> A spider bite. It's fucking wild. Yeah. Uh, what is with Slayer? Uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Slayer. What is with thrash musicians having wild injuries? <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> fucking uh, <laughs> Megadeth me stain. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I was in rehab and I just fucking... I slept on my armor all day yeah. and I have to relearn how to use it. Mm -hmm. I have permanent nerve damage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? Oh, I got a spider bite in my friend's hot tub, and now I have a flesh-eating disease. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking whack. I mean, like, it's pretty metal. And pretty fucking metal. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. Jeff Hanneman, fucking... Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Jeff Hanneman, fucking legendary. I, I personally think that he's probably the most important member of Slayer, because he wrote... Him and Kerry King kind of traded off writing most of the songs, mm -hmm. but... I think Kerry King's a little overrated. I think oh, Jeff, Jeff Hanneman's like... You heard it here, folks. I, I feel like a lot of people kind of, in retrospect, are like, yeah, Hanneman was way fucking better than Kerry King. Kerry King just kind of had the spotlight for whatever reason, I guess, because he was bald and had a huge braided fucking beard. <laughs> he kind of stood out. Um, where was I at? Uh, Paul Bostaff rejoined Slayer, and uh, Gary Holt of Exodus came into the picture to take over for the loss of Hanneman. Um... This lineup produced one final album, Repentless, which was released on September 11th, <laughs> funny enough, of 2015. Uh, it was the first album to not be in association with Rick, with Rick Rubin since Hell Awaits, instead of being released on Nuclear Blast, which, there you go, there's a fucking old school metal label yeah, for you. <laughs> Nuclear Blast. Um, Repentless also reached number four on Billboard, which was the highest position in Sawyer's career. Um, well. On November, or... On January 22nd of 2018, Slayer announced a farewell tour, which I saw them on this farewell tour. It was fucking epic. Was it good? Yeah. <laughs> it was so oh, fucking yeah. good. Yeah, it was them, Lame of God, Napalm Death, Anthrax, and Testament. Oh, yeah. The fucking bro. show. Yeah. Me and our buddy Race went, and then uh, we, we kind of, it was in an amphitheater, and we had some actual seats that were, they were fairly close, but like kind of midway back before you get to like the lawn in an amphitheater. Yeah. And yeah, as soon as Slayer was coming on, we noticed that they weren't checking uh, tickets anymore for the pit. So we were like, dude, let's just fucking go in there. And we just walked in there like we belonged and fucking, yeah, we saw Slayer like two rows back from the fucking stage. Hell yeah, dude. It was fucking insane. Like fire on pentagrams everywhere. Like fucking between every song, everybody was like, fucking Slayer. <laughs> it was crazy. That, sh that shit was fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, no official reason was ever really given for... Uh, for them calling it quits, but it's kind of speculated it was mainly due to Tom Araya's prolonged neck issues and uh, his desire to cease touring. To He's spend... got a big neck. Yeah, a lot of metal dudes have big necks. Uh, and his desire to cease touring to spend more time with his family, which, understandable, I mean, fucking, you're in one of the most influential bands of all time. Fucking, fucking retire, bro. You haven't bro. been able to see your family since the 80s. Yeah, fucking retire, bro. I don't blame you, but yeah. And that brings us to today's album. Yeah, which, holy shit, it took a long time to get through that. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, fuck. So yeah, we'll try to make it a little short and sweet for you. Uh, so, any any uh, opening thoughts for the album? It's a good album. It's, yeah. just, a, it's just another Slayer album. It's, it's exactly a... what I expected from Slayer. Mm -hmm. It's more Slayer. Yeah, I think it's pretty in line with 
a lot of their stuff just with some of those new metal and alt metal influences creeping yeah, in here bit, and there. Like, if this is the worst Slayer album, Slayer's never released a bad album. Exactly. Fucking spoiler alert, but we are almost an hour into the episode. I can tell you that this album's good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I I haven't listened to every Slayer album in a long time. Like, I, <clears throat> I haven't listened to anything past this album in full in a few years, so, like, I couldn't tell you if this is my least favorite Slayer album, but, yeah, if this is, like, the worst Slayer album, then <laughs> fucking A, like... It's, it's a good album. Um, starting out with Bitter Peace. Uh, Solid opening track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get a pretty long instrumental uh, to start out the song. It's like goes for about a minute and a half. And mm -hmm. it's one of those really good uh, like mid-tempo thrash riffs that... Yeah, it's really sinister. Yeah, it is. It definitely gets you into the mood of the album, the feel of the album. Uh, it's like... Sounds a little different from what you would expect from Slayer to me. It's like, a little more groovy. Yeah, a little more groovy, which fits in. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good start, a good sinister sinister feeling vibe to the to the opening track. Um, but then after that is over with, we kind of go into normal Slayer. Normal Slayer. Uh, I will say that the vocals a little far back in the mix. <clears throat> oh, is that your complaint? A little far back in the mix. Yep. Um, which would be fine if Tom Araya was a intel intelligible vocalist, <laughs> but he's yeah. not. So like, I really can't understand. I can understand a little bit of Rain and Blood because the vocals are mixed well. Mm. The vocals are so far back in here. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, which is why I didn't get any fucking lyrics. Yeah, I get what you mean. I that wasn't. I knew that there wasn't going to be any cringe lyrics in this. I figured there wasn't gonna yeah, be. Yeah, I knew there wasn't gonna be, like, it's just fucking Slayer lyrics, like, they are what they are. Um, so, like, I wasn't really paying attention for that off the bat, but, so I, I caught some stuff as I listened to it of, like, what some of the songs yeah. were about, but yeah, I will agree with that, like, it was, a lot of it was kind of unintelligible. Yeah, there are which, some songs where the mixing is really good, but for the most part, it's just, the vocals are buried. And there's also some songs where it's, uh, far back and unintelligible in the mix, on purpose <laughs> yeah for like for aesthetic reasons but we'll get to that but yeah i mean bitter peace uh after that opening riff and we go into regular slayer fair like this yep. one this one really has no influences of new metal to be found on this nope. opening track uh, then we get to death's head which is almost a fucking slam song yeah i, I can kind of see that it starts off with i mean i i think it's a pretty uh new metal-ish uh opening riff it's like it's like diddle the diddle the like with the yeah. drum and guitar in a or something like that. It, it, yeah, it's pretty much like that. But yeah, that that bouncing opening riff with the simple and like dro groovy drumming uh, kind of gives me like System of a Down vibes, which System of a Down's first album came out the same year as this album. So Did it really? Like, yeah. Okay. So like obviously Slayer wasn't. Like oh the system of a down band is kicking ass let's let's copy them so no, I, system I guess system of a down is like oh man Slayer but that's a really good album <laughs> so I guess this kind of could be like proto system of a down like yeah like that that opening part really was like oh this kind of sounds like um, yeah when we say it's new metal we're not talking about like lip biscuit new metal it's like corn system of a down Deftones new metal yeah like the metally new metal not like rap metal. Yeah, exactly. Which is a bit like when people are like new metal, I think of Limp Bizkit. Yeah, like, when you hear Slayer made a fucking new metal album, yeah, you would expect like you're like Uncle Tom Maria's rapping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, and there's a, a really chunky bass tone in this song. Um, of course, the shouting vocals that uh, Araya does does very well, and a catchy chorus, chorus that's repeated very frequently. Um, yeah, I think it's a good uh, mix of classic Slayer and a little bit of new metal influences. Yeah. I like this track. Um, and then there's a great bass lead about a little over halfway through the song. Uh that the guitar picks up on and goes into a verse. And then after that, Tom Araya kind of does like a Jonathan Davis slash Chino Marino type thing with like the very breathy, whispered new metal vocals. Yeah, he does do that. Yeah, that's like probably the most new metal thing of this album is like the times when he does that. And it's, it's a little off-putting. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird to hear um, Tom Araya do stuff like that. But after that song, we get to Stain of Mind. Mm -hmm, did I write that down right? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was like, did I write that down right? Um, this song is really jammy. Yeah, this one's a good one too, and I guess it's the most popular song from the album, since it's the only one that said they'd played with any regularity. That makes sense. Um, but it, like, it makes me want to be one of those guys in the back of a metal venue that's just fucking bobbing his head. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good one. It kind of gives me the feel of, uh, you know, Roots, Bloody Roots by Sepulterra? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of gives me those vibes. Like, it has, like, that... Brazilian sounding drum pattern that Sepultura employed with that album uh and their sound where it's like the kind of tribal-esque drum patterns like I mean I, I don't really know how to fucking describe how <laughs> tribal drums sound but yeah. when I hear it I was like oh shit like I'm kind of getting that vibe from it which I mean that could have probably was a deliberate choice because I think that album came out in like 96 so Slayer was like oh shit this other classic thrash band is starting to do this new metal thing like let's let's get a little inspiration yeah, from that yeah something, probably something like that um yeah and it has like a really good ascending guitar riff that kind of fits in with that like that new metal vibe yeah um, and this is another new metal-y song yeah but I, I really like this one too but um, also you can listen to this entire album without making new metal connections I did, like the first time I listened to it I didn't know about the whole new metal thing mm -hmm. I was just like oh this is just a good like a thrash album yeah yeah I'll agree with that um yeah you kind of have to I say other than that weird wispy, whispery vocal shit that is done a few times, like the other new yeah. metal influences, you kind of have to hunt for a little bit. Like, if, yeah, if you listen to this and just went into it, you'd be like, okay, it's fucking Slayer. <laughs> what else can you say? Yeah, um, the bridge of State of Mind is slam again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I never even, until you're saying that, I never really even thought about that. There is a lot of, I guess it's like that ascending guitar riff, like yeah. that that slam does a lot. They, they do a I lot. I didn't listen to slam except for one local slam band. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not a slam guy, but I've I've heard a decent amount. I mean, by decent amount, I mean probably like a handful of songs from like three or four different slam bands. Um, but Suffocation, they're like the godfathers of slam. No, but they're really. they're kind of <laughs> don't give a fuck. Um, oh God, sidetrack. Did you hear Ronnie falling in reverses? fucking version yes. of yeah. god it was so bad yeah. but back on track um fucking yeah suffocation uh i mean they're they're really just like a brutal death metal band but they were the very beginnings of slam as found in suffocation and maybe slayer got some inspiration from them because yeah. yeah a lot of their shit uh i can i can kind of see now that you say that there is like a lot of slam influences uh Seemingly throughout. Yeah, um, so after that we get to Overt Enemy, which starts off with this weird, like, talking, whisper talking. Yeah, it's pretty... It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, it's pretty hard to tell what they're saying, but to me it kind of sounds like a newscast of yeah, something. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and then the rest of the song is just bland. 
Yeah, I feel like this one kind of is going for more of a alt metal, like, kind of sludge stoner metal feel. Yeah, I don't like sludge or stoner metal. Yeah, me either. It's like just a if really... I if I don't listen to music while smoking weed, it's not going to be metal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like a really slow and trudging riff plays for about three minutes. It's just like dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, for three fucking minutes. Hello, uh, hello. <laughs> And then uh, Araya, his vocals on top of it are kind of intentionally compressed and muddy sounding. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of sounds like he's singing through a box fan. <laughs> um, but you can tell it's on purpose this time. So yeah. The vocals are mixed well. Yeah, it's, it's on purpose this time. And there's kind of some variations within the first three minutes with like a double bass section and a brief guitar solo. But it actually stays within that formula for, the, for uh, over half of the song until we get another mini solo and then it kind of leads into a brushy classic Slayer riff to close yeah. out the song. I didn't put on every song. Pretty much every song has a killer solo in it. Yeah, I mean... It's Slayer. Yeah, what the fuck? I mean, it's thrash metal. Even, it's Carrie fucking King. Even, even the shittiest thrash metal song will most likely have a really good solo. <laughs> yeah, well, they so, thrash is really good at solos. Yeah, it's like they could, they could be terrible songwriters, but they'll fucking shred it out for the one solo in the song. Um, so after that we get to Perversions of Pain, which uh, once again starts off as a slam song. <laughs> I'm starting to think this is just a proto-slam <laughs> Proto-slam. Number 15, Burger King proto-slam. Burger King proto-slam. The last thing you want on your Burger King burger is some slam metal. <laughs> um... But yeah, then it just goes into what you'd expect from Slayer after it's slammy for a bit. Yeah, it's pretty standard fare for them. Um, pretty formulaic. The pre-solo riff around the 130 mark is very, very reminiscent of the Angel and Death opening. Angel of Death opening riff. Yeah. It's like dun 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 Yeah. See, I thought I heard it before, but yeah. like all, sl all thrash kind of sounds similar. Yeah. It, and, and to a point. Yeah, to a point. Like, I feel like there's... There's a few different ways you can go about a thrash riff, and then in those few different ways, like, stuff can kind of yeah, sound a little similar. Like, it's the same with fucking Metalcore. I mean, it's the same. How many times did people write fucking, uh... The Waking the Fallen riff? The Fallen riff. Or, yeah, uh, uh, Unholy Confessions. Unholy Confessions. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this one, it, it pretty much sounds exactly like the Angel of Death opening riff, and then, um, after a solo later on in the song, there's a bridge part that sounds to me like if you took, uh both of the choruses of South of Heaven and Dead Skin Mask and combine them, like, it literally sounds exactly like that. Like, it, <laughs> it's just, it's pretty formulaic song. Um, other than the familiar parts, I mean, it's a decent song, though, but probably the most mid-song on the album. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next is Love to Hate, which I think is the most sinister intro on the album. Okay, I really don't remember. I don't remember it now either, but... <laughs> Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, it's been a little while since we've, since we've listened to this album. We had some things come up so we didn't get to record when we wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, I meant to re-listen to it, but I just fucking had it. I, yeah, I did at the very end of work today. <laughs> so it would be like the last piece of music on my mind. But I mean, even then, like, it's, like you said, it's thrash metal, which I mean, any genre can get to where you're like, oh, like, kind of. Thrash metal especially is like. Every song kind of blends into itself. Yeah, especially in, like, the... Not, like, mediocre, but the not, like, greatest ever albums. Or, like, my favorites. Like, if yeah, like, if I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, this album, like, I'm like, 
this is good, but it's like not not a lot is like very very fucking memorable. Yeah, when I was trying to get notes for this album, I'd listened to it like four times without notes, because mm-hmm. um, I was just listening to it to and from the way to work, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit down and get notes tonight because I don't have anything else to do, because um, I had a busy week when I was getting getting ready for this one. And uh, I accidentally had him on shuffle and didn't realize. <laughs> he probably didn't even. Yeah, just like. Uh. I didn't realize until the song that wasn't on this album played. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and luckily, it was on smart shuffle, so it was just like two songs and then it played another song. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, okay. Lo- love to hate Sinister Intro. Um, yeah, I don't remember because I, I think that this is the least interesting song on the album. This is basically a hardcore song. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like, I was listening to this, uh, I work with my roommate, so I was like, I've been driving him to work, mm-hmm. and he was like, I thought you didn't like hardcore, I'm like, I fucking don't, this is Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's just kinda, it starts mid-tempo and ends mid-tempo, and Tamariah really just shouts in the same key and cadence the entire runtime of the song. Like, yeah. It's, it's it's a little there's a dark riff around the one minute mark that makes me start crowd killing. Okay. But other than that, it's just another song on the album. Yeah, this one it's there's really nothing stand out about it for me. Um, then we go into Desire, which is I would say the most new metal song on the album because the verses go for again like the corn, Deftones whisper vocal type yeah. shit type beat, and it's it's just really bizarre to hear Tom Mariah. Uh, Raya doing this vocal style. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Like, I, I don't hate it. It's just... It's weird. It's just weird. Come. Yeah. Um, the chorus, though, is more akin to what we're used to from Slayer. Um, yeah, it's blistering and dark. Yeah, and then, of course, the solo yeah. is always good from yeah. Slayer. But The verses in this song are kind of doomy. Okay. They're very, like, slow and, like, methodical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Some doomies. A little, a little doomies. But yeah, overall, another one that's just kind of, eh, like, it, at this point, it's just, those two songs are just kind of like... They're just kind of there. Yeah, they're just kind of there. the next song, honestly, In the Name of God, it doesn't do anything new. Okay. It's just another thrash song on the album. It's good. Okay. I actually really like this song. Okay. This ended up being one of my favorites. Um, I'll agree with you on the first two listens it was in the same camp as the previous two songs where i was just like eh, this is kind of just here but i don't know it's kind of grew on me um because it starts out pretty mid-tempo and uh has like a layering effect on the vocals he's like i want to invite you like he, he kind of has hello a, me <laughs> meet the real me yeah he kind of he kind of has like a weird cadence to his vocals that i never really heard from slayer that i can recall um and yeah, it's layered where somebody, I don't know if it's him, but somebody's like just kind of talking the same words very yeah. very low under it, um, which I, that part kind of grew on me, and uh, it's like kind of a really groovy uh, verse part, and then it starts to really like pick up the intensity a lot in the last quarter or so of the song, because uh, he starts shouting Antichrist in the name of God, which leads to like a really good breakdown in the last 45 seconds of the song. There is a really good breakdown. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a really, really cool breakdown. Uh, it starts out as just just your regular breakdown, but then it kind of brings in like that chaotic and hellish twin guitar attack that Slayer is known for, where Hanneman and King just kind of start fucking. <laughs> they're dueling. Yeah, they're, they yeah. just start like doing random shit that I mean that you would hear on like Rain and Blood, where it's just like the chaotic fucking guitar. Yeah. Where it's just they're like really the, good at chaos. Yeah, it's like they're both just doing chaotic, wacky, fucking high high pitched solos all over the place in the in the last bit to close the song. Uh, 
and it ended up making a standout track in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. It didn't do anything for me, but I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was it was the only one like my other standout tracks that we'll get to like right off the bat. I was like, these are some of my favorites, but this one was a grower for me. So you know, it's on the shower. <laughs> song shower. Uh, then we get to Scrum, which is not only the worst song name on the Scrum. album, um, but it's the shortest song on the album, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's like just a over, just over two minutes. Just over two minutes, like yeah. two twelve. Some, yeah, some. For some reason, my brain is like, it's a minute fifty eight. <laughs> Close enough. It's not long. Um, it is just more thrash. Yeah, it's it's really probably the most straightforward song on the album. Yeah, there's a really cool post-verse riff and a pre-verse section that kind of rips. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good, like, fast it's ripper. It's a good thrash song. Yeah, good good ripper, fast thrash song, um, but it's nothing, like, nothing really noteworthy for me. Yeah. <laughs> really, the, all I got is that like, it's the shortest. Like most of the albums we listen to, the back half of it's not as good as the front half. Yeah, exactly. That's really a recurring theme. <laughs> um, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I feel like that's not, that's not, again, good albums is not like that. A good album's usually the back house, really the better shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be an interesting uh, little little bonus episode. Get some... Back house versus front house? Yeah, get some, like, examples of, like, classic or some of our favorite albums and... And see if the back house better than the front Yeah, house. see if they're back or front loaded. I've seen people doing that on TikTok and shit. Like, they'll be, like, you know, the thing where you... They'll have, like, the pictures next to their head and they, like, lean to the side for which... One they choose, I've seen that for, like, back-loaded and front-loaded albums. Like, it'll bring an album up, and they're like, oh, and lean to huh. which one. Yeah. That, that'd be a really interesting metric. To, yeah. Uh, especially, we might have to go back and figure out what, what albums we've listened to, which ones are back-loaded, which ones are front-loaded. Yeah. Uh, the only front-loaded or back-loaded one I can think of is Attila. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that one was a very consistent It was one. just so <laughs> It um, was loaded. But uh, then we get to Screaming in the Sky, which is a very groovy song. Mm-hmm. But it also only has the one riff, the entire fucking song. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, it had such a, like, it could have been such a good song, but it just kept keeps doing the same riff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of sounds like it could have been from, like, the South of Heaven or Seasons in the Abyss era of Slayer to me. Uh, it's more, like, slow-paced and low-key. Um, but yeah, it's, like you said, it's really just the same riff for most of the song. Um and then there's like this one part in the in kind of a bridge section where I, I guess it's Tom Mariah sings in like this really weird low pitched voice. Like it, it's not the like whispery thing that he's done in the album. It's just like this really weird voice. He, like, I, I don't know. Did you not catch that? Mm-mm. It's just, it's just like, he's actually like singing, but He's singing like this. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's very weird. I was like, okay. Don't, don't really know what why that choice is made, but all right. Um, and then we get to the last album song. The last album. Uh, <laughs> point. Right? Mm-hmm. Once they, like, these song names are so fucking strong. Like, am I right? <laughs> point. Did I fuck up? Point. point. <laughs> um, mm. The main for this song is Sinister. <laughs> uh, very Sinister. This honestly sounds more like a Megadeth song than a Slayer song. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I think this one doesn't really have any new metal influence. I, I think it's pretty standard fare for Slayer, but okay. It's a little hardcore. You think it sounds a little it's Megadeth? A little, yeah, it's a little like Megadeth hardcore. <laughs> Megadeth meets hardcore? Okay. Megacore. Yeah. Um, Death I, Dave. <laughs> Death Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of generic, I think. Yeah. Not, not really a noteworthy song to close out the album with. Like, 
It's all right. I'd say the only thing that I really, uh, that caught my attention about it was there's like two separate times in the song where it sounds like it comes to a conclusion and then it just awkwardly yeah, continues. Which is a, that seems to like be a big thing in bad albums too. Yeah, like it, it, um, it's not like an overly long song. Like I think it's just about like around four minutes, but it, it was just really weird. Like multiple, multiple times it just, everything kind of stopped for like half a second and I was like, okay, that's the end of the album. Then <laughs> it would just start back up with a different riff or something and I was like, okay. Yeah. Kind of odd. Um, yeah, I, th I think just the back half of the album being, for the most part, kind of very, very same, same. Yeah. Also played into that. Because like, okay, this shit's ending. And it's like, oh no, it's going on still. <laughs> yep. Um, so, favorite songs? Mine are definitely Bitter Peace, Death's Hands, Stain of Mind, and In the Name of God. Uh, mine, Bitter Peace, Death Hands, and honestly, Perversions of Pain. Okay. Okay. Um, my least favorites are Love to Hate. Well, I'll say Love to Hate and Desire are like the two that I really don't like. And then I wanted to give three, so I put Screaming from the Sky. That's probably just like yeah, one, of the, is, one of the more mid-songs on the album. Mine is in the uh, point, Screaming from the Sky and Scrum. Okay. So the last three songs in the album. Because uh, at that point I was like, man, I really want this to be over with. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um... Overall, yeah, like we said, we don't have any lyrics because I mean it's really it's just, just Slayer. It's Slayer it's lyrics. What you expect from Slayer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but from four thousand and nine ratings on Rate Your Music, the album holds a two point six three out of five. That's a five point two six. Hmm. I guess. It's I'll go. With, I'll go with that. It's a little low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really not. It's one of the better ratings we've seen for, yeah. this, for this podcast but like i said the main reason we're doing this is to do that little little ranking of the quote-unquote worst albums from the big four yeah um, um i give us 8.2 okay that's honestly higher than i was expecting it's a good album i mean i, I really i would listen to it again i'll agree it is it is a good album um it's a little hard for me to rank because I'm like, I mean, I know it really doesn't matter in the context of this podcast, but I'm like, if I give it a fucking eight or something, I'm like, my favorite, like the best Slayer albums are all like nine and a half and ten. So I'm like, fuck, that feels like too close to them because it's like, it's definitely not up to par with the best Slayer, but it's like, I still really like it. Hey, Alex, just remember. These are just numbers. They don't mean anything. Yeah, they don't mean anything. I, I have probably contradicted myself by giving it out my hate a fucking higher than <laughs> out my liked. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I kind of fucked myself with the um, uh, Duran Duran cover album. I think I gave it a seven and a half, and afterwards I was like, that was a little too high. Like, I definitely enjoyed it, but I was like, seven and a half? I probably should have gone with like a six. I don't even remember what I gave that one. I think it was I like think, a nine. No, I think we... Or, no, I thought we both gave the. Maybe we both gave the seven and a half. I think we did. I don't know, but like, I don't fucking care if I contradict myself. I contradict yeah. myself. It's a podcast. You're here to listen to us talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're I keep keeping track of these stats. Which I, I think we've asked our listeners to do that. So let's do. <laughs> That's why I gave keep, you a little clap. Keep track of them. A little golf clap for you. Um, if I get, I'll give it a. What'd you say? Eight point two. Eight point two. 8.1999. Okay. <laughs> That's what I give it. Okay. But no, seriously, like, it's it's a good album. I mean, it's really... I mean, it's 
is pretty shit on, like, reading the, uh, like, fan reviews, I guess you could say, on Rate Your Music. Like, a lot of people were, like, absolutely embarrassing from Slayer. Like, why the fuck were they trying to be a new metal band? All this shit. And it's, it's really... It's barely new metal. It's really, yeah, it's, it's really a Slayer album with little sprinkles of new metal yeah. and alt metal and groove There's metal. There's obviously some, like, influences from alt, groove, and new metal, but... That's what a good band does, is they change their sound. Yeah, exactly. Like, they probably just really liked new metal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I can see Tom Maria getting down to some corn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I could too. They, uh, and they toured with System of a Down for this album. They were their support. Uh, Hell yeah. So yeah, like, they yeah. probably just really liked the music and were like, I really want to incorporate some of this shit. Yeah, which I mean, I guess that goes against what Jeff Hanneman was saying. He was like, nothing... I, nothing sounded like it could be beat, so I just made my own thing. <laughs> I don't know about that, buddy. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> R.I.P. Boomer. But I don't know about that one, buddy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I really don't see, like, everybody's... I mean, I'm not going to say everybody's, because it does have some positive reviews from critics and shit. Um, and it's not like, hell, that's one of the worst fucking things ever made. Like, some stuff we covered recently, but... Um, just the the hatred for Slayer fans for this album, like uh, yeah. I just don't get it. I even saw it was funny, like about a week before we, because we knew that we were gonna do this one. You know, we kind of scheduled it in advance. Um, I saw a post on Reddit where somebody was like, got this album on vinyl for their uncle or something. They were like, this is the only Slayer album he doesn't have on vinyl, and like I've never seen it anywhere. And I found it at a record store, and I'm so happy to help him finish his collection because they're his favorite band and like all the comments were like dude this album fucking sucks he might as well not have it anyways fuck this album like all this shit and i was like i was like damn this man's <laughs> is, this man's is just happy to help his uncle complete his collection and they're just like fuck this album <laughs> i mean that's reddit for you but i was just like damn. reddit and slayer fans yeah i was like damn two like, of the worst communities yeah i was like what the hell this album like i mean at the time i didn't i didn't know that it I would think it was good, but I was like, even then, like, damn. <laughs> like, it's a Slayer album. How bad can it be? Yeah, like, That's how we went into this. It was like, it's a Slayer album. How bad can it be? Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, well, so, I mean, it definitely deserves a uh, It deserves a, a breath. breath. Uh, we will see you next time with what might be the highest rated album we'll ever cover. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now that you say that, yeah, I think it, it probably will be. Alrighty, see you next week. <laughs> see ya.